0: How's it going this evening?
1: I'm good. I feel jazzed.
0: Feeling jazzed.
1: Feeling feeling jazzed. Yeah, <laughs> I got the jazz hands happening here.
0: Oh, that was my next question. You're yep. already on top of it. Yep. You must be jazzed.
1: I want to right up front here apologize to the to our faithful beardos uh, for failing to record and publish a podcast last month
0: uh yeah we did fail it's only a
1: monthly it's only a monthly thing i know but and we we still messed it up yeah exactly so
0: (laughs) i think that's the flip side of it
1: (laughs) yeah right it just didn't it just didn't happen so i apologize and uh we're gonna try to be more regular with this business in the future so i'm gonna be regular i know Um, i'm drinking green tea and
0: it's delicious
1: green tea i got some fizzy water here it's pretty good
0: i was gonna ask you about your beverage preference it seems to be uh (laughs) how we're starting off these things
1: yeah yeah, so I got a I got a fizzy, a fizzy berry flavored sparkling water. I don't know what, I don't know what flavor berry is, but uh, yeah, uh, maybe it's some guy.
0: At that at that point,
1: <laughs> you like
0: that? <laughs> I do. <laughs> fizzy berries water. Yep. Um, at that point, it's not even water though, like what you're drinking right now.
1: That's it's water. It's
0: soda. At no, but point. there's no sugar in it. I'd bury something in it.
1: It's not sugar, though. It's it's like some kind of artificial flavoring. I was
0: about to say, do you even know what it is?
1: Natural flavor, that's all it says.
0: Oh, that is, that is bull.
1: I don't ask questions.
0: <laughs> that's what the beard's all about, is just mm. taking it. Just not asking questions.
1: I don't ask questions. I just enjoy the effervescence of my water.
0: God. When have we ever enjoyed anything?
1: Yeah, that's right. Um... I tell you what I enjoyed. I enjoyed a, this piece on Pitchfork by our mutual acquaintance uh David Dark.
0: Man, when have I ever not enjoyed anything that guy's
1: done? He's a smart guy. He was in the PhD Yeah, the PhD program at um Vanderbilt when we were there doing our lowly masters. He wrote a book called The Sacredness of Questioning Everything, which is pretty popular, I think.
0: Oh, uh, yeah. Um, I think so.
1: And then uh, he wrote another book Um, all while teaching like high school English or something like that, I think, uh, called where is it here? Everyday Apocalypse, which is also a cool book. Um, it's fun. So I'll link to Uh, all those.
0: Yeah. Both of those books are sitting on my shelf right now, like right beside me.
1: Yeah. And he's a, just a righteous person, I think. Um, and a real, uh a real deep thinker. He also teaches, um, he teaches at the Tennessee prison for women, uh, Mm -hmm. and the school of religion at Belmont university. And I think it's instructive about David dark that in the descriptions that I've seen of him, like bylines, he always, he always lists Tennessee prison for women first before his fancy university job. Yeah. That's just, um, that's, that's, I mean that's it man like I
0: don't even know that's just it That's
1: that's why I call that's why I call him a righteous man Um I think that he's got a real uh heart for justice and um and uh just the beauty of uh religion and spirituality and art Um which is why it's so appropriate that he wrote this review of um of Kendrick Lamar's new album uh to to pimp a butterfly um and the reason the reason it I guess caught my attention is t- two reasons. Number one, it's a great album.
0: Um Yeah, I mean that album's
1: just sick. It's really good. Um when I listen to it, I feel the same way that I did the first time I listened to like the, like at the beginning of listening to um College Dropout by Kanye back in wow, the day. Oh, it's
0: that big for you.
1: I mean, it's got I think it's I think it's a seminal hip hop album, I really do. It's no, a-
0: I'm, with, I'm with you there. I, I don't know if I have the um, I don't know if I have the perspective yet, like to to step back and say. It's up there. I I mean like I it's hard to it's hard to put because I, I agree with you that it's that good, mm-hmm. uh, like it's good enough to be up there. Um, I guess like I don't have the, the sense of. Of like where it's gonna be in that pantheon yet. I mean, I guess time will tell that. But
1: yeah, I mean, um, I I guess I can't I can't say for sure that it's gonna like have that same.
0: I feel like f- I'm still effect. like in the, I feel like I'm still in the flash zone with it. If that makes sense, like in the like in the what? It, like in the flash zone. Like I'm still like overwhelmed. Oh by sure, it. yeah, yeah, so yeah, I can like, see that. I can't like judge it objectively. You know, all I can say is like this album's just you know sick and amazing and and all these other adjectives <laughs> like yeah. it's it's so good but i can't I, I can't like really which is what makes you know david so damn cool is that he sits here and and talks about like why it's that good yeah in such an accessible way
1: yeah and and uh, part part of what i love about part about what i love about college dropout and i think what made it so made it such a force when it when it dropped as the kids say uh uh is 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 the production i mean the the lyrics you know i mean the poetry is great and um when, when kanye is rapping on an album he's good he's really bad live, but yeah um uh, but his rapping is, you know, fine, and um, and the lyrics are are fun to listen to, but it's the production of the thing that I think really makes it into a piece of art, you know.
0: Which is what continues to be his strength. Yeah. Like as his rap quality goes down over the years, which I feel like it does. Yeah, yeah, it does. Um, the production quality is just spot on because that's that's his gig, man. Like that's yeah, what yeah. he does, and that's why. Right. That's. Any That's album really he produces what he, for anybody else sounds incredible.
1: Exactly. And I think that the strength of, of Lamar's album, Kendrick or Kendrick, what does he want us to call him? I don't know. Kendrick uh, Lamar. Gonna,
0: Mr. Lamar.
1: Mr. <laughs> Mr. Master Lamar uh, <laughs> of the Beats. He, not only is he like, at the top of his game like, as a hip-hop artist – he also the production on the album is insane it's so so good i mean it's like every decision every decision they made is perfect it's i think I, i i mean i there's not a decision that they made in the album where i'm like why i don't understand why they chose to do that here you know So, anyway, all that goes to say, I like it. I think it's a good album. And then David Dark wrote a review of it, which I'm going to always read. And then he starts it out with this, and I'll just read it to you. And this is a quote. If you bring forth what is within you, what you will bring forth will save you. If you do not bring forth what is within you, what you do not bring forth will destroy you. End quote. And then David Dark says... This sacred insight attributed to Jesus of Nazareth in the Gospel of Thomas pulsates within every track on offer in Kendrick Mars to pimp a butterfly.
0: And right there, and he, goes, could have, he could have stopped the article and it would have been better than anything I've written.
1: It could have just like, been that.
0: <laughs> right? Like, that's, right? that's the review. Drop my... Like, 200
1: words, that's the review, and it would be bit, you know. Mr. Dark um, and
0: Mr. Lamar shake hands, end of article. Yeah.
1: Quick and dirty. You know, nice transaction. Everybody's everybody feels good, um, but he goes he goes further into it, you know, and and um, I I don't know how how much I have to say about the review because it speaks for itself and like there's no extra words. <laughs> um, I mean, it's just so well written. Right. I just want people to I just want people to check it out. Yeah,
0: I do too. Um, it's it's like and a, and a, um, uh, the there's a uh, uh, on bill burr's um who's a great comedian if 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 you don't listen to him um, mm. there's a there's a joke on his latest special where he talks about a really offensive joke that was written uh on this like little sandwich board in a bar uh but the way he describes the joke is there's not an ounce of fat on that joke it needs every word and it has you know it needs every word yeah, exactly. and there's just nothing extra and that's this article and so go read it Um, Yeah, right.
1: Go, go read it for sure. Um, what I love about it too is, is the conclusion. Um, and, and I think this is an argument for all, all art. He says, um, he, he quotes Bruce Cockburn and says, everything's bullshit, but the open hand and Lamar's hands are open perhaps on the lower frequencies he speaks for you and like what is our, like what is the activity of sitting down and encountering any any art whether it's written or photographed or illustrated or recorded but that experience of finding something finding something where somebody opens themselves up And in their particularity touches on something, you know, universally in us.
0: Yeah. And the great Um, thing about that, that last sentence, uh, like it's getting at, like, where does that, that interaction happen to? mm -hmm. Um, So it's not only about uh, the speaker speaking, like, I mean, you know, when he's talking about on the lower frequencies, you know, I think we, we really, um, we have a tendency, especially now when things are, when when most media is so loud and so and so bright and flashy to try to get you know to try to get our limited attention, I think I think the the good stuff that just rides on the low wave just yeah it passes under the radar for so many people and um and that's just where some of the best stuff is <laughs> and I'm not saying that that Kendrick Lamar's album is like riding the low frequency in terms of popularity or acknowledgement i mean this dude's blown up i mean that's just all there is to it but but i think you're totally right um i think there's a way to to look at these experiences and i don't even know if experiences is the right word i think it's the the relationship between you know um the artist and the one who's experiencing the art um, yeah, like where and, where that's happening—that's uh, a fascinating thing for me to look at. I don't even know how much I have to say about it, other than uh, I just think some of the stuff that lies that rides that low wave is is just so cool, and and it and perfect. is sometimes so much better.
1: <laughs> well, right, and and I think that it's um, when he talks about lower frequencies, I think he means the unspeakable aspect of resonating with a piece of art right like the the fact that there, there's something here that you can't put your finger on
0: sure oh yeah um,
1: but relating back to the beginning is something in you that that you need to express and the list like listening to the album may be an expression of that instinct or that moment or or that emotion you know that 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 listening to this or or exposing yourself to a piece of art is a creative impulse in itself
0: i think that's fair i i don't i wonder though i mean pure speculation just wondering like how much kendrick lamar gives a shit about that well i don't <laughs> you know, think i no, no, i mean yeah. i mean there's that element too of like The one, the one of the things I felt like, you know, when I listen to some artists and their record, like I can really tell, I can really get a sense of, you know, this, this musician is like reaching out, trying to grab me, trying to make, you know, shake me and make me understand when I listened to Pimp, to Pimp a Butterfly, I felt like Lamar didn't give a damn if I was listening. (laughs) That's right. Anybody was listening. And I mean, that's part of what makes it so great. (laughs)
1: No, that's that's totally true. I mean, he it it is uh, a personal, a total, a completely personal expression by Kendrick Lamar, uh, which I think is what David Dark is saying, too. You know, I don't know why I always say David Dark, but I love saying his name, David Dark. It's great to say.
0: Because not many, not many people are, like, blessed with a first and last name that just...
1: <laughs> it's so awesome. Yeah. Uh, we're just, like, sitting here swinging from his nuts. I hope he doesn't listen to this episode.
0: <laughs> yeah, we can never tell him that he's no. like...
1: Nobody tell him. Nobody, Nobody tell
0: him. Nobody tell him. Don't tweet at him.
1: I, yeah, right. Don't tell him anything. Shh, Beardos. Don't tell him. Uh, but... I mean, I think that's what he's saying. Like, like this is a, this is a personal expression by him, but even so, I mean, he doesn't say, he doesn't say that he speaks to you, which is what so much of like our art is supposed to be. I think like pop popular culture is supposed to speak to you or speak to some issue or speak, you know, to, to like, everybody's subjectified by art.
0: Because if it doesn't, um, if it doesn't, then it doesn't get disseminated. Like
1: so, yeah. And I, and I meant to say everybody's objectified by art, and we objectify artists. But he's saying that that maybe this this album speaks for you. That something about it, something about Kendrick Lamar is not giving a damn whether you listen or not, and his particular expression speaks for you as an individual, and. For us, you know, in this moment, I, I think that's powerful, and honestly, I think it should be the goal of everybody who sits down to to make it to make an art. You know, I I don't know. I just found it to be such a compelling notion.
0: I think it's just awesome that this. Uh, first of all, that this like whole discussion, this whole article. just kind of blows up in your face with this quote from the gospel of Thomas.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Right. Exactly. Right. That's the, that was, so we, that was the whole first part of our conversation. Like that was the first thing that drew me to this was just that I liked the album. But then the second part is that it starts with, you know, this, I guess, esoteric gospel that was, you know, lost to the sands of time for, thousand years and um and now it's on uh now it's the first line in an hip-hop album review uh on pitchfork media you know yeah um i mean the audacity to to use a gnostic gospel as the lens as a lens through which to view kendrick lamar's album is like massive i mean who does he think? Who does he think he is? <laughs> you know, I mean, like, yeah, I get that he, he teaches religion and he's got this fancy PhD degree and all that, but it's like, man, like, what? The guy is like a just fearless, you know? And they've f- published it. Oh yeah, it's incredible! It's incredible! It's an incredible thing.
0: You know, I mean, pulling something yeah. from you know, not the real Bible, the. L-
1: well, right. One of the and, lost and,
0: books of the Bible.
1: Well, that well, yeah. Which reminds me, and we've had a we've had a sort of foregrounded this conversation, but pull back the curtain here a little bit. But um, I got to
0: do that, you jackass.
1: That's all right. It's meta, you know.
0: Meta, meta, meta.
1: It's post postmodern. Um. Anyway, uh, so Elizabeth and I are walking out of Barnes and Noble the other day, and they have like a section at the front. It's like the, it's like the steal me books. It's like, steal these books. We don't care.
0: <laughs> Please. <laughs> we don't want you know to know what try I'm to talking sell about? Them. Yeah. Like,
1: <laughs> like, like it'll, it'll cost them more money to sell it than if you stole it.
0: Yeah. It's already past um, the censors.
1: Right. Right. It's past the censors. It's like in the little like entry alcove. Right. Yeah. Um. So it was in there and Elizabeth and I were talking and I just sort of saw it out of the corner of my eye. And I got this look on my face and I looked at it because it, it said the lost books of the Bible. (laughs) That was the title. Uh, but, uh, so, so I see this book and I had this look on my face and I was just like, oh man, you know, and Elizabeth was like, what? I said, did you see that book? It said the lost, (laughs) the lost books of the Bible. And she was like, yeah. And I was like, I was like, that's. That whole concept is stupid. There's no such thing as a lost book of the Bible. If it was in the Bible, it wouldn't be lost. The <laughs> books that are in the Bible are in the Bible. There's no such thing as a lost book of the Bible. Like, the Bible is a static concept. Well, that's... Mm. I don't know if I can mm. say that. But, but, it, but the Bible is more or less a static concept with fringes around the edges. Right. Yeah.
0: Well, in that, I mean, especially in a publishing sense, like, right. Um, I mean, you know, when you go to a bookstore and you buy the Bible, yeah, you know, you're gonna get a certain set of books within it. Um, mm-hmm. And even if you buy the Bible with apocrypha, that's another that's set right. set of books.
1: And it depends if you're a Protestant or a Catholic, and it depends if you're a. You know, if you're uh, Orthodox or not, or, or you know, or Eastern Orthodox or in the Western Church, and
0: let's just break um, it down. If you're a real Christian, or you're <laughs> not a real
1: Christian, <laughs> you're going to buy a different Bible. That's right. Uh, and 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 I understand I understand all those arguments, but more or less, the books that are included in that sort of fuzzy area have been the same since like the third century. Sure. Okay, mm-hmm. so you can expect certain books to be there, and you can, or you can expect certain books to not be there, or to be there with, to be there with a an asterisk. But, but the books that were lost to the sands of time, like the Gospel of Thomas, were specifically not included. <laughs> but in large part. The books that made it in were in um, wide circulation um, and shared across essentially the known world, and, and and that's that's why they made it in.
0: But don't you think that somewhere along the way, like like a book fell out, and like out
1: of the out of the carriage or out of somebody's rucksack or whatever?
0: Yeah, like 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 uh, the horse drawn buggy hit a bump yeah and like one book in the bigger book like fell out and got covered up by some dust uh-huh. and then one day they brushed it off and it was lost but not anymore and then it went to barnes and noble
1: do I, do i think that that happened
0: I mean, it's kind of irrelevant if you think it happened or not. I'm pretty sure that is what happened, but I, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, I see. I see. So that's your that's your mythic explanation of of what happened and, and how those books made it into the this please steal me pile at Barnes and Noble.
0: <laughs> I don't think there's any other way you can call them lost.
1: Yeah, I guess not. That would that would be the only way you could call them lost. Because otherwise, they're not lost. They, I mean, I guess they can't publish a book called The the Books That Didn't Get Included in the Bible.
0: <laughs> the Sad Rejects of the Bible. Which, I don't know, I might buy that.
1: Well, yeah, I, I would, but <laughs> not many other people would. And Well, apparently, not enough people uh, bought The Lost Books of the Bible uh, <laughs> to keep it in the actual store. So, you know... I don't know, but I mean, it just, like, that kind of thing, that kind of thing just pisses me off, because that's the sort of um, secret knowledge thing that Gnosticism itself plays on.
0: Oh, yeah, you're right.
1: Uh, Right? Like, here are the secret books that will give you the real knowledge about who Jesus was. They were lost. And even better, they're, they're... being actively covered up by like the powers that be or
0: whatever. It's like the first century equivalent of a history channel special about the Bible.
1: Exactly. That was my next move is that you have history channel. And there's so much of this in the media right now, history channel, CNN, um, any, and you know, and now it's on network TV with this A D the Bible continued, which oh my is like God. the God. Oh Which is which is oh. like the dorkiest the darkiest name for for a for a television program in the world. You yeah, know? not
0: only is it just so dripping with just lame, it's just terrible. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Not only is it that <laughs> like on its surface. Right. Well, actually, I was going to say, if you dig deeper, I don't think you can. It is just surface. Like, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: that, I mean, I I don't even know what I want to say. Like, I'm disgusted by it. Like, I would rather there be some like, history channel, you know, what we were just talking about, some here's the secret knowledge kind of program rather than that AD crap. Like, that's a new level of biblical bad.
1: Right, and it's just, I mean, I, I understand people's Desire to see sort of the Bible illustrated, you know? I mean, that's what, like, a thousand years of Western art, that's what it, it is, is the yeah. Bible illustrated. Sure. So I, I get that, but I don't accept the overgeneralization and oftentimes, like, glossing over of the very stark and a um, Readily apparent uh, inconsistencies between the four gospels, and then putting that on TV as like some kind of like, I mean there is a claim for authority there that 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 the show is making, um, like this is the authoritative vision of uh, NBC or CBS or whoever, you know this this is like our gospel.
0: Well, maybe I'm being. I mean, I'm always cynical. Maybe I'm being extra cynical in this case. Like, I don't even think that there's like what you were just saying about it being this this vision of of whoever's putting it out as some definitive thing, like like I said, maybe I'm just being extra cynical and too hard on the people creating this thing and working on this thing. I don't even feel like they think it's that. When something is that To me, is that obviously pandering? Yeah, they don't even care what it is. It's about, uh, it's about you know, it's about views. Um, Yeah, it's
1: about putting ads in people's faces. Yeah,
0: it's uh, it's um, you know, it's like television drawing off the clickbait. (laughs)
1: Yeah, right. I mean, I can see that.
0: That's and I don't know. I I've been known to you know be overly cynical and dismissive of things people like, that's fine, I guess. I mean, it's not fine. It's a flaw in me, but... (laughs) Sure. But, you know, I accept it. I'm trying to acknowledge it. That's something. Um, I don't know. But yeah, I'm with you. There's just so... It feels like there's just so much of it. Like right now, especially. And I don't know what's kind of dredging that up.
1: I don't either, but I don't like it.
0: (laughs) I feel like... (laughs) Okay, that's a new beard slogan right there.
1: I don't like... I I don't know either, but I don't like it. (laughs) I'll write that down. Please do. (laughs) So yeah, I don't know know exactly how we got there, except to say that um, while, of course, there were political and probably some nefarious dealings that went on, to establish the canon, like the official canon of the Bible, mm-hmm. in large part the canon was established in parallel with the actual use and dissemination of the books that we have. Yeah, for sure. They were widely regarded and and used, you know, throughout the Greco-Roman world, and and more even more widely than that. And those are the books that made it in. And uh, I think the f- I think the fact that the books that didn't make it in are now being sold as some kind of secret knowledge is damning of those books because that's what those books are trying to say, that there's a secret knowledge that can help you escape the physical world, which is not what <laughs> Jesus is about. And in so many ways, Gnosticism has won um, because we have this pervading sense that Christian salvation is about a reward in another world, which is not biblical. And so for these things to be marketed to us, I think is damning of our own culture. And that's why it, that's why it bothers me. But, but I think that leads us to something that we foregrounded like two months ago.
0: Yeah, we were, uh, we happen to make a comment on a previous podcast if there, you know, I guess we we kind of got into a conversation that touched on DRM and digital rights. And uh, I believe we were talking about comiXology and you know, Amazon acquiring that. And uh, we kind of stopped that conversation because it got, even for our standards, it got a little nerdy. I'm sure, we could have gone on, but we didn't want to inflict that on you. But we happened to make a comment you know, if this is something you want to hear more about, tell us. And, uh, sure enough, a listener got in touch and said, yeah, I do want to hear more about that. So if, if, if like you really hate what happens in the next few minutes, it's on that one person that kind of does lead us into, um, to this next piece of the conversation.
1: Yeah, sure. And and that's just the part we got to, I think you already said this was about DRM, yeah. um, on eBooks. And, um, I wasn't really listening, uh, but uh, <laughs> which is so
0: <laughs> typical of our entire relationship. That's and, right. That's
1: right. I and mean, yeah, we still, yeah, we still love each other. How could it be? Um,
0: I feel like that's half the reason we have to write, like that we write a blog together, is because like we're not listening to what each other's saying. So it's like, let me write this out for you.
1: <laughs> I was like, oh, this is what Mark thinks about X, <laughs> Y, and Z.
0: I know he told me that before, but... I,
1: th- I have a sense that he told me that, yeah. Um, but, uh, so we were talking about ebooks and stuff like that, and, and so ebooks have DRM on them, which is digital rights management, um, which is a fancy way of saying, like, a corporation decides what you can and can't do with the thing you bought. Yeah. Right? So when you buy a paperback book um, at your local bookstore and you put it in your bag and you take it home and read it, you can do whatever you want with it. You know, you can pass it around. You can cut uh, words out of it if you want. You know, and, you can burn the thing, which I don't recommend.
0: And if you if you feel like you're maybe a little unfamiliar with this concept, I promise you you're not if you have, you know, if you used iTunes yeah. in the past several years. Because before they made that move a couple of years ago to go non-DRM on the, on their mm-hmm. tracks... All tracks on iTunes were DRM, and that's why you couldn't put them on a a Zune.
1: Yeah, move them somewhere else.
0: Man, I wish I had a Zune. Still, you don't. Well, I mean, like sitting on my desk. Oh,
1: you wish you just had a brown one sitting to, like, over look,
0: there to like look at
1: as a paper as a paperweight. <laughs> yeah. Did uh, you thought, have a Did you have a Zune? Oh hell
0: no. Do, oh good. I'm, okay. Nothing. Man, I was just about to offend like four
1: Zune users. I had a, I had a friend who had a, had a Zoom and, uh, you made fun of him every day. Well, no, I remember, I remember he got it and like, you know, that was like right in the middle of like everybody getting iPods and he got a Zune because he was like a Microsoft fanatic, you know? And, yeah. um, and I was just like, Oh, you got a Zoom, huh? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, all right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Which should have been their slogan.
1: Yeah, Zune. All right. I'm not interested enough to talk about it. <laughs> so, I mean, needless to say, like everybody everybody in America has experience with digital rights management. Sure. And um I mean the reason it exists is because because people have a an impulse to share their stuff. I think it's like a basic human impulse. Uh, yeah, that's. I mean, that is intrinsically human. Right, and the internet is built to share stuff. And then when you take a book and you make it digital, you make it incredibly easy to share. Uh, but Amazon and other companies have an interest in selling as many books as possible, and so they, so they put these the restrictions on them that you you know you might be able to share a book whatever five times or you know there's different standards for each each different company and and um, scheme of of DRM, but essentially it, it curtails your ability to interact with and share the string of data that you bought. Yeah. And this is important and related to our previous topic because. The whole way, I mean, the reason Christianity exists is because people were able to pass around texts, copy, copy first, and then pass around strings of data encoded on pieces of parchment. Yeah, I mean. And they were shared widely enough that it became authoritative for a wide community of of people, um, and then was was sort of um, established as a canon.
0: Yeah, you know, which it's it's not anything. I mean, I know you're talking about this in the context of Christianity. That's, you know, when we're talking about this being intrinsic to human nature, like that's this idea of kind of packaging and sharing data. That's that's storytelling. Yes, that's <laughs> you know. Right that's as old as sitting around the campfire and telling stories that's that's oral tradition that's that's what people do um and that's how that's how any narrative is born and anything that becomes a shared or or an identifying piece of a culture like it it has to get around it has it has to make the rounds in some kind of shareable format um and before there's copying a text on a parchment there's telling a story over and over and over with slight variations it evolves eventually it be, it does become somewhat definitive it becomes this this kind of formed thing uh, that doesn't change that much from telling to telling this so this is this is old like this is the deep stuff right um, of like shared life together of of culture of I mean, even before, I was going to say civilization. It's before
1: that. Yeah, yeah, and and I mean, w- I think we're in a weird place now because, on one hand, it's easier to share than ever before. Yeah, for sure. And you can reach out to really anyone, almost anyone on the planet, and share a story with them um, in a way that's really almost unfiltered by anything. I mean, access to the internet is all you need. Yeah, and that's increasingly ubiquitous. So, so we have that on one hand, and I, I think it's easy to understate that. Like, the world we live in now is am- amazing. I mean, it's <laughs> it's totally inc- incredible. Well, I mean, we've
0: we've said it before, but like the the idea that you can carry around the breadth of yeah. all knowledge in your pocket and we all have it. <laughs> yeah. It's, that's insane.
1: It's amazing. You know, I mean, people in the third third world have it,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know? So, yeah. So that, that's, I, I think impossible, impossible to overstate. But then at the same time, there's this in- increasingly pervasive effort to control and crack down on that. On, on what is a basic human impulse. And and that seems nefarious to me.
0: Yeah, doesn't it? That's like, I mean, that's... <laughs> like, DRM is just like... If I gotta pick what DRM looks like, it's like, it's Lex Luthor. Yeah, right. It's, it's just this epitome of, like, seediness... And wrongdoing,
1: <laughs> right? It's it's everything wrong with like the capitalist impulse, I think, and that that's what Lex Luthor is, I think. You know, he's this he's this villain who's like who's capital personified. Yeah, and and so um, I I don't know I I I think we the thing about a, an ebook is that it's incredibly convenient. That's the revolution is that that you can have you know 500 books in your pocket not just access to information about them but access to the books themselves on yeah. a single device but the argument the DRM is trying to make is that the convenience outweighs your basic human impulse to share and to have a direct like a more direct experience of the media that you interact with well beyond beyond just the consumption of it, you know,
0: there's a capitalist element of this argument, of course, um, cause we're talking about companies selling things, but mm-hmm. uh, the argument from that side is it, one based in fear because it's, we can't let you exercise this basic human impulse and share, because if we do, then we don't sell enough books and we go out of business and that, and this information and this, this knowledge disappears. Yeah. <laughs>
1: right. Right. <laughs> Which is like, that's sick. <laughs> is what that is. Right. I don't buy that argument either. Yeah. It's just gross. Um, I mean, the idea that the idea that the, the information is going to disappear because there isn't an inter- intermediary, intermediary, you know, standing between me and the artist Like that's that's the most encouraging thing to me, is that more and more artists, writers, authors, you know, painters, comic artists, these people are able to access their audience directly. That's what we do on the beard. Yeah, we don't have an intermediary. I mean, our closest intermediary is Tumblr, but we don't need Tumblr.
0: No. The greatest thing about this is that. Uh, the companies that are kind of pumping out this idea of, of you need us as an intermediary are hoping that you just take like the shortest possible view of history. (laughs) Yeah. Like, like if the internet went down tomorrow, like that there wouldn't be a time when we eventually got back to writing down our stories on paper and passing them around. Yes. Yes. Or telling stories around a campfire because our dystopian world doesn't have electricity anymore. Uh-huh. Like, they're hoping that you just don't take this view that, no, we've we've already done all that before. It can be recreated, you know. It just happens to be incredibly easy and convenient to do it with, with these tools. And through your format, you know, Amazon, with your Kindle, like, yes, you make it incredibly easy, but... You don't make it
1: possible. No, exactly. Exactly. You make a certain version of it possible, but the possibility exists in the very core of our being as creatures. Yeah. You know, I mean, this is what it is to be human.
0: It's to tell stories. Yeah. And to share those stories.
1: And I I, uh, guard that jealously. And I, I... i feel an incredible affinity for the people who come and read our stuff and listen to our podcast i i i just find such joy in it and honestly if so, if somebody or something wants to come and get between my ability to do that and our audience's ability to access our stuff like i will be in the street with the other people who Who guard who guard that ability. So fuck DRM.